Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Welcome back to season two of the Real Estate Rundown Show. I want to thank you guys for staying with us and putting up with us all year long. It's been an incredible journey. We've had some amazing guests. And today, today's really no different. Uh, today, I have got the honor and the pleasure of talking with a gentleman that I've gotten to know over the last year, a guy by the name of Kevin Day. And Kevin has got a unique story. He's got an incredible skill set that is very very sophisticated, but it's one that you're going to want to stick around and listen to because Kevin talks about asset protection. And I know everybody's got an LLC, everybody's got a corporation, but that doesn't really protect you to the degree that you need to be. And Kevin and I are going to dive into that and we're going to get to the nuts and bolts of how you really, really set yourself up like the 1% does to protect yourself long term and keep your stuff your stuff. So with that, I'd like to welcome my guest, Kevin Day. Kevin, how are you, man? Very good, Shannon. It's great to be here. So, Kevin, you come with a long list of accomplishments and skill sets. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of how you got to be doing what you're doing, kind of the, the, the short version of what got you there, and, and why you decided to specialize in this area? Yeah, it was a circuitous route. Um, I was an international lawyer already. I speak Chinese and uh, did contracts. And the U.S. signed the Hague Convention on Trusts in 1987. And it was a game changer for entrepreneurs. Um, it was the first time that you could create an irrevocable trust. And we'll get in those details later. Uh, and name yourself as a beneficiary rather than giving it away to whoever your heirs were and not having any access to your assets. And um, I started writing uh, books, uh, got about five books published back uh, in uh, the early 90s. There was only one guy that beat me to a no-low press book, uh, Arnold Goldstein out of Florida. And I'd love to say that I was particularly brilliant. It was just good timing, you know good luck. Well, you know, Kevin, one of the things that I find uh, with humble people like yourself that that it's not just the timing, it's the persistence. You know, oh. anybody can <laughs> anybody can have the basic general knowledge. It's the persistence to become an expert. And it's the timing with which you bring that expertise to the table. But uh, I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit with that as far as what you do know and, and the, the space and time that you brought that expertise to uh, the, the general populace and, and people that are looking to protect their assets. Yeah, well, thank you, Shannon. Um, essentially, uh, lawyer, entrepreneurs said, hey, I want one of these. I don't want to own anything. I want to control everything. They went to their lawyers. Their lawyers didn't know anything about it. They went to the continuing ed people, and they found uh, Arnold and me, and we became the national 
gurus for continuing ed for lawyers and CPAs and uh, had a fantastic time, um, very successful, which means that uh, oh, there aren't that many people in my bar. There's only about eight lawyers that are true experts in the offshore trust. There's more in the domestic versions that came up about 11 years after the Hague Convention. And um, when you're successful, you don't have to be a mill. You really work right. with the clients. You don't, you know, we, I have 28 attorney, staff at my law firm. We do revocable living trusts. We do wills and all that stuff. If you're just in a, a living trust person, you have to do thousands of them to cover your nut. And uh, with the complex stuff we do, that means that I can spend the same amount of time with some little person that just has, you know, two single family residences and is a W-2 employee. Their estate is just as important with the person that has 160 doors, you know? Right. And I really love that I was lucky enough to be able to, to be in that position. And a, a few people that are in our area, it's like, oh, if you don't have, you know, a $10 million estate, I'm not talking to you. And no, we have people that are, you know, $200,000 estates and they don't yeah. want to lose it. And they're in a high right. litigious business, you know? You know, and that's, and that's the, 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 the essence, right, is, is that creating that solution is not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody's business is a little bit different. There's different things that people want. There's different realities. And, you know, in, in your journey, you've seen it all, done it all. But really what was at the core was that you were still getting to the protection, right? I mean, we all right. still want that protection. And, and we all start out with the concept that, oh, we'll put it in an LLC and you'll be protected. And, and th there's, there's truth to that. But the rest of the world is sitting here out here trying to eat your lunch. So, so take us through that process of, yes, there is protection in the LLC, but why, why do we need more protection than that? Where do we need to go to, to, to be able to make sure that we're completely indemnified? Yeah, and it's not just the regular entrepreneur belief. It's lawyers' belief is that LLCs or corporations are the only answer. Real estate is going to be an LLC. Um, uh, you go to a corporate lawyer, real estate lawyer, or an estate planning lawyer and say, I want lawsuit protection. They say, how many things do you have? Okay, you need seven LLCs. Right. And they're done serving right. you. And uh, all a company does is protects you from what's inside that box. And as long as the corporate veil, everybody's heard that term, corporate veil can't be pierced. Uh, you didn't buy groceries with your, you know, business credit card and you keep everything up and, um, you know, do your minutes. Uh, it should stay in that box. But there's two things and we have answers for them. The presumption is you'll lose what's in that box if that's the problem. If you have a, a piece of property, the boiler blows up, a family of five die, um, they're going to take that property that harmed them at least 
and they're going to try to say you were negligent in some way that makes piercing the corporate veil. But let's say they can't do that. You're still losing that property. We can remedy that. But what happens if they sue you personally? It has nothing to do with your investments. You look the wrong way when you're going through a light and hit somebody. And uh, then they sue you and then they ask you, what do you own? Oh, I don't own real property, but I own three LLCs. What's in the LLCs, real property, great. We're going to take those LLCs. Right. Um, there are these charging order things, and we can get into that. But uh, there's so much more to do, and uh, lawyers just don't think the well, way. Well, and, and you know, I've had conversations with you, and we've talked about you know the the everybody gets to this level where they. They can do what they need to do. Like you said, they become a mill and they realize that diving deep takes time. Staying on the surface and being the mill is where the money's at. And I do have a funnel of, you know, I can do 35 LLCs a day. But the reality is let's break this down a little bit more. So I own an apartment building and I put that apartment building in an LLC and I do everything right. And that LLC is what owns that building. Correct. And so when there is an incident, when there is a, a, an issue, the LLC is designed to create the separation between you and that, that apartment, but it's not designed to, to protect the apartment. It's designed to push off the liability away from you personally, but it's really what I hear you saying is that it was never designed to salvage or to save or to ensure the continued ownership and control of that asset. It's just to create separation. Exactly. That's all they do. And that's so what is it that you do? You, you, you sound, it sounds a little bit like, you know, uh, the world economic forum, you will own nothing and you will, you will love it. Right. Um, <laughs> I think your version of it, I like a lot better than, than their version from, from just a little bit I've heard. But how is it that you can, can keep that so that I have an LLC, right? And we still use an LLC, correct? Right. And, and that asset, that the, the boiler blows up and there's insurance but, and, and they're able to get to the limits of the insurance. But how do you protect that so that all my stuff still stays in my control? Yeah. Well, let's back up because as we know, and your other podcasts have actually, you know, touched on this, um, that uh, we have 94% of the world's lawsuits. And uh, we, but good entrepreneurs, we don't, you know, freeze like a deer in the headlights and we press on. Uh, and that's great because it runs the economy and it builds wealth for our families. Um, but there's only two ultimate owners in our legal system and companies are not one of them. They are separate legal people. The IRS and the corporation's code says that your LLC, your corporation, your limited partnership is not you. And you have to treat it with that respect as if Kevin Day owns that LLC. But somebody has to own the LLC. That LLC can be owned by a corp by a limited partnership, by an LLC, corp, 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 it will only end in two things. A human, nobody owns you, and nobody owns an irrevocable trust. And so you don't want to be the owner. And if 
we can create a separate legal owner that's all about you. You're the 100% beneficiary. It's all for you. But if you get sued, you can say, it's not me and the law supports it. You're in a great position. That's what Elon Musk did just uh, nine, 11 months ago. He got into a spat with another billionaire. The billionaire says, I'm going to sue you. And he said, sue away. I don't own anything. And right. so he had peace of mind. There, the suit actually started. They sued him for uh, $133 million, happened to lose. But well, what's Elon that between was, billionaires? I mean, Kevin, really? I mean, when we put that in perspective, that's like you and I arguing over lunch. Yeah, yeah. I'm suing you for $25. That's it. Um, <laughs> um, but he wasn't sweating it. It didn't destroy his attitude and his business prowess um, because he said, I don't own anything. Yeah. And you can put people so in that. So you, you've mentioned several times this irrevocable trust. And mm -hmm. we all hear about the trust, and usually people deal with that in their estate planning is the thought process, right? I've got to get a trust. I've got to do an islet, or I've got to do some sort of a trust where all my assets go in there uh, so that they can be passed on. But you're talking about using that trust as something that works even better while you're still alive um, and that right. you can direct and control. So it's, it's, let's, let's break it down. Talk to me about what the difference between a revocable and an irrevocable trust is so that we can then take that to the next step and understand why that is where you want everything to end. Right. You want a revocable living trust because we're all in that conveyor belt. We're going to die. Um, and you don't want some lawyer getting 6% of your estate for filing five forms in the probate court. Uh, so uh, they're important, but if they're revocable, revocable means changeable, and you get sued, the court will go, oh, then revert it back to you so you can give it to the marshal that's going to give it to your uh, plaintiff. Um, irrevocable means that to some degree, it's not changeable. An islet, which is for holding insurance, uh, irrevocable life insurance trusts, uh, those are great for their job. Uh, they are making sure the proceeds and face value of an insurance uh, policy is outside of your estate, so it all goes tax-free to your heirs. But you're not a beneficiary of that. Your heirs are. Right. That's so, the bad thing about life insurance and those kind of things, right? You're never around to see the, the positive that could do. <laughs> right, right. These trusts are unique. And before 1987, you couldn't do it. You, it wasn't an irrevocable trust. If you name yourself as a beneficiary, it had no lawsuit protection whatsoever. But, but because we signed that and subsequent, because the, the offshore trusts aren't inexpensive, but in 1997, U.S. states started to pass laws that copy-catted the uh, Hague Convention. So you can create an irrevocable trust, name yourself as a beneficiary. What we do is create one underlying Wyoming or Nevada privacy company, so your name isn't in public record. You're not the legal owner, and we can prove it, but you can control it. You can have all, you can have the checkbook, it's your little piggy bank for your family. 
So let me let me try and understand this. Uh, you know, you have to remember, Kevin, I am a contractor, so concepts are <laughs> sometimes hard for me. But we're going to create this entity over here. We're going to create this with a, with a piece of paper. We're going to give it an EIN, which means that it becomes alive according to the IRS, right, and, and the federal government. And it's going to then get given all of my things. So I've got an office building over here. I've got an apartment building over here. I've got some gold and silver. All those things are going to get given into this entity that we created on paper. And mm -hmm. this does not, this owns it, but it just sits over here. And since it's not real, I mean, it's real, but it's not real. I mean, it sits over there. It can't get into trouble. It can't cause a lawsuit. It can't be negligent. It can't be a dereliction of duty. It can't do any of the things that would get you sued. Is that? Is Not exactly. Okay. We do put everything in a structure like this if it's pre-marriage divorce planning because you don't want to be the owner and it works. Prenups are always challenged and they're one out of uh, five are not recognized by the courts. Uh, but what our job when we work with a client is we, this is an over-exaggeration, but we have three uh, categories, zero and low liability assets, cash, portfolio, notes, payable, uh, gold, um, uh, crypto, that's zero liability. That's the low-hanging fruit that a plaintiff's lawyer wants. Those definitely go into this privacy company owned by the lawsuit-proof trust. Then we have super high liability, uh, real property. If, <laughs> if you're a syndicator, you've tripled the liability because you're taking people's money and you've got SEC and other government regulation uh, liabilities. Um, but let's just take your regular investor. Um, those are high liability. And then there's stuff that's high value, certainly machines that can take people's arms off, mm -hmm. a restaurant or a coffee cart. You can't buy enough insurance for one evening that went bad with a cold. Right, right. exactly. But real estate's a perfect example of that middle road. It's high liability, but high value. What do we do with each one of those? And um, what we do with real estate is we put a friendly lien on it from your piggy bank company. Let's now, say wait a minute, Kevin. I've never heard of a lien being friendly ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. If, if, if you go to uh, Kevin Day Lending, uh, you know, and I'm charging good interest, that's one thing. If you go to Bank of America and they're the lien holder, that's one thing. But if your own piggy bank, if we call that privacy company Golden Mountain Funding or Pine Tree Lending, and that holds your cash portfolio, gold, crypto, intellectual property, um, notes payable, all the zero liability assets, we've taken care of the hard stuff that's zero liability, then your real property or other businesses that can harm people and get sued we put a lien from yourself to yourself. And since the law says one, the company is not you, and we've gone one step further and made sure 100% of the ownership isn't 
in your personal name, but in the lawsuit proof trust, and you're the beneficiary of it, that's a friendly lien. Our job is to create the proper consideration um, so that if somebody sues a contingency lawyer, they're a business partner on a project. They look at you. Do you, you know, live in the Hollywood Hills and drive a Bentley, or do you live down in some other part of town driving a Yugo and rent a studio? They're not going to take that second course. You know, if uh, you own a bunch of property, but Union Bank is on first and Golden Mountain lending is on second, there's no equity there to sue. They can say, you've got a great case, but I'm not going to spend money and my paralegals and everything working on this. Right. Hourly lawyers will still take your money and do the investigation under your dime. And they'll come back and say, let's see if there's any insurance because yeah, there's 20 Joe's plumbing trucks out there. I see him myself. I figured he was going to be a good hit for us in this lawsuit, but there's UCC ones. There's liens against all of his trucks and his building where his warehouse is. Let's just see if there's some insurance. They're going to get out. If they ran a whole suit and gave their client this piece of paper, litigation attorneys are not collection attorneys. It goes to some other law firm. That law firm is going to say, oh, did Joe Smith Esquire tell you that uh, he doesn't have any equity in all this stuff? Do you want to sue for malpractice? You'll get a lot of money from the lawyer. Right. So, um, Even uh, hourly lawyers, they'll pound their chest in front of you, but they're telling their client, get out quick. Yeah. So, so really what you're doing is then you're, you're taking this entity again, we're back to the entity, right? And we've got the other entity that we're creating that is taking all of the value. And when I say value, I mean, we've got a $10 million asset with a $5 million loan. There's $5 million in value, right? Right. That, that's that's the liquidity that's in there. So we're, we're putting the asset in here. So it's got this and it has, this entity has the $5 million loan from Bank of America and a $5 million loan from Golden Mountain Bank. Right. And right. Golden Mountain happens to be paying the shareholder distribution to me. That's yeah. how I'm getting money because Golden Mountain is charging 6% interest or whatever. And so it's getting paid $300,000 a year for its loan that is then being distributed to me. So I have cash so right. I can live. And, and now these two assets are very protected. But in the case of I look left and somebody came from the right, I, I, have, I have money coming in. How do you protect for that? Well, uh, there's two things. Uh, what we typically create 95% of the time is what's called a dormant trust. You're the beneficiary, but you're not the trustee. But we don't give anything to the trustee other than a piece of paper saying that it owns an underlying company. There's a lot of tactics in between, but the most extreme tactic we can take is make it an active trust. Somebody gets a mammoth judgment against you and you still need to live. As long as you don't receive the funds directly to pay, just like a carnation grandchild with a $16 million judgment against them, you say, Go to the trustee and say, here's my MasterCard bill for this month. I'm out there charging, but I'm not writing a check to pay it off. Here's Mm -hmm. my, you know, and, you know, please sell this house and buy me another house. So what it sounds like to me, Kevin, is, is, you know, this reminds me of, of, uh, 
the cartoons I used to watch where Wiley E. Coyote uh, used to show up and the sheepdog would be there and they would battle it out all day long. And you've got the one lawyer trying to protect things and you've got the other lawyer trying to uncover things, right? And you're just, you're creating this, this layer of protection and you're using the exact same rules that the other attorneys use to come for it to protect it. So, so you're not, you're not inventing anything new. You're just putting it together in the right steps and the right sequence that if I do A and B and C, when the inevitable or the unlikely happens and D, E, and F become our contingency, we have that all there and protected. Otherwise, things function as normal. Um, money goes into an account. You get money out of an account. You live your life as normal. And you're able to create that ability, all of that tied back to an irrevocable trust, which is not a real human that has the control of the, or that has the ownership of the mm. asset while Golden Mountain Funding, for this example, and its board of directors have the checkbook. Exactly. I got it right? Yes, sir. Wow. So, so it's not, it's not complicated, <laughs> but it's definitely not easy. I can yeah. follow it, but it's, but it's got a lot of moving parts in there that keep you. I mean, you, you mentioned the Wyoming uh, corporation because that's anonymous that keeps you from, you know, showing up anywhere. So now things just kind of disappear into the mist. If they do happen to figure out that th this, this is who owns it and they can track it down, there's still not anything to have. And most people that wind up initiating the lawsuits in 94% of, of the lawsuits of the world that are started in America are started by somebody has an unfortunate accident and a, and, a, and a lawyer that converge on a corner and say, we're going to make this right with you. And for that, we're going to take a contingent fee because most people that wind up wronged in a lawsuit don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to feed that no to go to go the distance no and you know the stuff that we've seen uh we want privacy about it and in fact when our clients have had issues 80 percent of the time the adverse party never finds out that there's a trust they see Golden Mountain funding, but they don't think it's our client. They don't even ask the right questions, bark up that tree. The 20% that have found out about the structure, um, after people have gotten judgments, have entered into very positive settlements with our clients because they can't get the assets. Um, we want privacy. We don't want them to know it's related to you, but I better not be saying something behind closed doors that I'd be embarrassed to tell a judge. It needs to work. I should right. be able to tell the judge and the adverse party, this is what we did. This is when we did it. This is what happened. Right. And here's all the law. You're not going to be able to get it. Right. And, and that's almost as much of a deterrent as, you know, the little blinking light that says we have an alarm here. Right. Yes. I mean, you're looking at it going, actually, that's quite complicated, Kevin. Um, I don't know that I want to go through all the effort to unwind this. Like you said, let's go the easy route because it's about a payday here. Let's go the easy route and let's get the insurance and go for the limits of the insurance, which may be half a million or two million or whatever. Right. Um, because 
you know, you see this, and we just saw this with with uh, uh, Alex Jones with Infowars. He got a hundred million dollar uh, judgment, right? I mean, there's no way you're going to collect on that, right? And, and and you see these massive judgments that get thrown out there, and unless you're somebody huge like you know Wells Fargo or something, when they got uh, in trouble there for doing the whole credit card thing. You know, until you you're somebody like that that has billions and billions of dollars, you're not going to be able to collect on that. So what you're really doing is you're putting up a really high fence, you're putting up a really good um, uh, series of events that will take you to the conclusion that if you try and scale this castle wall, it's going to take you a lot more time than you thought. It's going to take you a lot more effort than you thought, and the princess is kind of an ogre. So. Um, you know, so, so really most of that is through thoughtful design, a deterrent that then mitigates probably the desire of most attorneys, like you said, to even want to go down that road. Yeah. It, the, the friendly liens from your own lawsuit proof structure is golden. We had amazing successes through, um, uh, 2008 through 2015, we had people that were upside down. They're saying, hey, you know, I'm upside down on these four properties, but my home and these two other properties are free and clear or have lots of equity. You know, I'm totally hosed. Um, some of them didn't even get deficiency judgments. They hmm. looked at wow. it and said, it's not worth our time. Some yeah. of them got deficiency judgments. And we said, have you looked at our client? And they went away. We only right. had five judgments that were perfected in other states that then went to the states where our clients were got perfected there and they still uh three of them settled and like four others went away so um, really they, there's there's still when you say went away they're still outstanding but it's not something anybody can do anything with because there's they've realized that they went through all that effort and here they are and they have the piece of paper, they've got the charging order, they've got all the stuff in order, but they realize that they've chased a ghost this whole time. Yes. The only reason why the three settled is they didn't want to have that hanging, you know, right. out there for 10 years. Sure. They settled and the other people realized, look, I, I guess at this point, if we can cover our fees, we're going to be in great shape because otherwise we're a total loss because we realize where we're at. And uh, you know, so, so it really, it's really, to me, it's designed to put the control in your hands. It's really, it's really designed to do exactly what everybody believes their LLC is going to do, right? right. Everybody has this belief. And this is the thing that, you know, in, in our conversations that I've had with you is it's really designed to make sure that people understand that the LLC isn't all it's cracked up to be. and right. Beyond that, this is really what you think the LLC is doing for you. Now this actually does it so that you're outside of being idiot-proof, and you can't ever idiot-proof that, where you know, you've got to do the things in the right orders. So now you've got this whole thing. How complicated is this mechanism that you set up to operate? I mean, can, can a contractor do it? Yes, Shannon, even you. <laughs> There's hope for me, Kevin. There's hope for me. I love it. I love um, it. So it sounds complex because it's new stuff. Even lawyers. New to me, but not to you for sure, right? No, it, it, yeah. it's, 
it actually is because uh, it seems complex because it's new. Lawyers that come to my continuing ed conferences, they are asking the same questions. They're babes in the wood because it's all regular stuff. We're just stacking it up in a different order, as you had said earlier. Um, the Once it's formed, the trust is on the shelf. All you have to remember is don't call Golden Mountain Lending my company in Wyoming. Call because you don't want to be in a de deposition and have that slip from your right. company. Right. We'll still be able to get it protected, but now we have to spend another $30,000 because that door's got, got open. So you right. always formally address it. Um, the trust is on the shelf. It's not yours from a lawsuit perspective. And you have the checkbook. You simplify our lives. We theoretically have two checkbooks, the, uh, or a checkbook from a checking account and a savings account. And we keep a little bit of money in the checking account and we have long-term savings in the others and we bring money over when we need it. Right. That's what Golden Mountain Lending is. It's your long-term savings account. It has all your liquid wealth um, and operating capital for the long run. You can take it to consume or you can borrow it into a real estate LLC to buy another property or put the down on. Um, so your life is just one extra checkbook that instead of saying, you know, Shannon on it, it says Golden Mountain Lending. And it's really that simple. And if a lawsuit kind of uh, comes on the, the horizon, then you're going to call Trust Day Law Firm yep. and say, what do I need to do? Let's make sure all the I's are dotted. So the, the, the reality is that once the, the complexity of digesting my organization and putting it down on paper and putting each thing in its own protected little box, we set that aside and all the money flows from the irrevocable trust to an entity that is the holder of the equity, mm -hmm. Golden Mountain in, in the case that we've been talking about today. And from there, distributions come to me. So it really isn't, like I said, it's it's not complicated. It's just not easy. It's not easy to get your arms around it, uh, but... Or through it, it or it, over it. <laughs> exactly. All those things. But to operate it, it's, it's actually, everybody is astounded. We get yeah. that unsolicited all the time. Oh, and that's really where I'm, I'm finally coming to the other side of the conversation where I understand that, okay, once this, because, you know, even with, even with LLCs, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got, like you said, you've got meeting minutes for every LLC every year. And you've got, you know, you've got the, the, the different credit card for each one and you can't commingle funds and you've got to pay this. And so maybe you've got a holding company where, you know, the holding company you know, pays the bill and then sends a bill out to each LLC and the, each LLC writes a check. I mean, they, that can get very, very complicated and very cumbersome to mm -hmm. operate. That's just kind of, you know, you've got 25 properties. So you've got 25 checkbooks, you've got 25 bank balances, you've got all these things. Whereas what, what you're talking about once set up is much, much simpler than that. And it, it a lot more protection to go with that. Absolutely. Now, when 
the irrevocable trust owns it and I want to sell it or they, I don't want to sell it. I couldn't say that in court. The irrevocable trust decides that they want to sell it. I just show up as the agent and sign the papers. You can do it that way. Um, what we, you're still running the LLC that holds the real property and you want to run the sale and through okay. escrow, the profits goes to Golden Mountain lending, just like Bank of America is going to get paid. And then on your next project, you're going to borrow from Golden Mountain lending into a yep. new LLC that's starting the new project. So, Kevin, you know, really what you have outlined here is something that can can be done and and probably sooner rather than later because the complexity of trying to sort out 65 or 75 or 100 different entities and stuff whereas if you just call up and say hey Kevin I got another property it's 124 4th Street and you say great let's call it 124 4th Street LLC now we just throw that on the shelf with the rest of it and we just keep adding and we keep growing so it's something that even though, like you said earlier in the podcast, you're only three houses or you're, you know, a duplex and a triplex, that's, that's the great place to start because then you can just continue to add on to it like Legos where you're continuing to build it out as you add assets without having to change anything. Right. And you can even simplify a little bit. Um, we recommend if the real lawsuit protection comes from the equity stripping, the friendly liens, then you don't need an LLC for every property. If you have an apartment complex, I'd put that in one LLC, but maybe five, six single family residences in one right. LLC. So you get to simplify a little bit. So then you're doing a portfolio type package where you're cross collateralizing everything so that you might have $200,000 equity in each house, but now you're throwing a blanket lien over it for this collateral for a million two. The equity's right. gone. The payments are coming out to Golden Mountain Lending and you're able to just consolidate. So now you would have maybe your fix and flip portfolio, your single family portfolio and your, and your multifamily portfolio. So you could really simplify that. I see where that would work. And so really by doing the work up front, you could really simplify your life and move forward. Yes. Yeah. And it's scalable. That one lawsuit proof trust and the one privacy company, the piggy bank company mm -hmm. can equity strip three properties or 133 properties. Yeah. yeah. So, so now we, I, I wanted to get through all that so that I can understand. It. And that's a lot of groundwork guys go feel free to go back and listen to that again, because it's really quite simple once it finally clicks in your head, but now we have, so this and, is all done. We, we have a white paper that explains it. Okay. And it will answer a hundred more questions. It'll drum up 30 others. Oh, that's. We'll, we'll be glad to send that. So what you're saying is don't read that at nine o'clock at night because the sheep will be asking questions all night, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, guys, if you want that information, uh, shoot me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com and just type in the subject line, Kevin Day, we'll get you over that white paper. Uh, and that will be a valuable asset. But Perfect. we just talked about domestically. We've talked about all of these things being in the United States. Now, the problem with all of that, Kevin, is the IRS likes you too when you're domestic. How do we, do you work with people to help them get those assets and those companies and those holding companies and those profits 
offshore? The um, rarely, there's only a few tax advantage. I mean, we we have banking connections and we form companies all over the world uh, for for various needs, but to be IRS compliant and have a tax advantage structure, you know, there, there's people with millions and millions of dollars that have followed the law. And when too many people do them, they close, they call them loopholes, but it's the law. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest thing is uh, having an active business internationally. And very few people uh, are going to be in that position uh, particularly real estate investors, unless they are, are willing to get familiar with an international market, then you'd have what's called a controlled foreign corporation. IRS calls it a, a CFC. And uh, you report the taxes, but don't have to pay uh, taxes until you're repatriated. Um, you know, and, and that's, and you don't, you personally don't have to necessarily leave the country to do that. Um, then we also have tax and treaty jurisdictions um, that you're very familiar with yeah. um, that give U.S. citizens tax advantages. So when you when you hear people talking about you know offshore trusts and offshore holdings, why would you if if there's very little what we just described there's very little tax advantage to that? Why would someone want to have their holdings offshore? Right. Because one, the Hague Convention on Trusts um, essentially says that we recognize the trust law of these other countries and their jurisdiction over the trust. And it's recognized in all 50 states. It's recognized by the IRS. We're not getting you in trouble. There's actually a form for these things, which you want. It's part of the defense file. But somebody suing it, trying to bust it, they're going to have to fly to the Isle of Man or Cook Islands or Montserrat, wherever we end up putting this trust. And the rest of the world is not a loser pays. Everybody else is a loser pays system. The US is not. So you sue somebody and you lose, you just walk away you know, with the attorney fees that you paid. The rest of the world says, if you sue and lose, you have to pay the defendant's fees and costs. Some of these jurisdictions, not all, require the plaintiff to put up a cash bond in the amount of the expected defense fees and costs. And they need to sue under that country's laws. We're so lax here. And so uh, the domestic uh, versions uh, there's only 15 states that have passed uh, these copycat laws. Only about five of them have any teeth in them. Um, so uh, you have issues if you're being sued from somebody in a different state that doesn't have the, the trust law and you're using the trust law of another state, although it's legal. Those are extra issues. Um, and crazy things happen in our legal system. That's why people yeah. have to take it into their, you know, their own control and get educated on this. So really what you're doing is you're taking the previously discussed irrevocable trusts, putting it in Alcatraz that has its, I mean, really, I mean, Cook Islands, you'd have to go, you'd have to physically fly to the Cook Islands, hire a Cook Islands attorney to litigate this process. And then the Cook Islands has a completely different compensation 
idea that if if you don't win, then you not only it's it's not a in, in the U.S. if if you don't win, then I have the right and the ability to sue you for my attorney's fees. But then that's a that's a whole other negotiation. That's a whole other thing. It's not that you are automatically awarded in the Cook Islands. You're automatically awarded. I just turned in my bill for the attorney's fees. You lost. Now you pay me, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars for my attorney's fees and all the all the costs. Yeah, the and, courts actually collect that money in advance. They say, we don't want you making a mockery of our system. You lose, you fly back to America. We want <laughs> we want not, you to empty up cash. Right. Uh, right. So what percentage of your clients need that additional layer of protection? Um, I used to, people would typically ask it, uh, how big does my estate need to be? Right, And um, I would avoid that because unless we're doing something tax advantage, it's really about, you know, protecting what you've so worked so hard for. Right. And, um, and so uh, I avoided it for the first 10 years of my practice. And I've been in 30 plus now. Um, and I finally realized what my clients were selecting. And if they were over $4 million, they tended to go with the offshore trust. And um, if you're under two, you go with a domestic. If you're between two and four, then we slow down on the education and look at the pros and cons. Uh, how rapidly are you growing? How high a liability business do you have? to see whether it's worth the stretch to go international. Uh, I, I contemplated this, it took me a couple of years to figure it out. And I remember, you know, my dad was a sixth grade school teacher. Uh, you know, I've got 25 and 28 employees, you know, now, and have um, had big firms and things are nice, but I started with $500 in my bank account and I started right. in a agent suite. And I remember when you get to about 3 million, you've bought the upgrade car. You've starting yeah. to go on nice vacations. And right. you realize that even if I don't make any more money, I can live a decent life. That's when the light bulb goes on that it's so critical to pay attention to the lawsuit protection side, yes. not just the wealth growing side. If you're smaller, if you're a business owner or you've had some little lawsuit, insurance took care of it, it was $15,000, but you realized how much stress and how easy it is, anybody can sue you for anything, right. then those smaller uh, estates uh, are alert to it. And we want yeah. to be there for them. Yeah. So, Kevin, th this has been really, really enlightening. And I, I think I I've got, you know, all kinds of your thoughts and stuff going through my head about, you know, well, what about this? But, you know, we're, we, we need to kind of wind this down because I can go on for a long time about this, which is, uh, you know, I, I kind of like these rabbit trails. But if you had one piece of advice for my listeners that, you know, looking at what we think we know versus what we know versus our conversations today, what would be that one piece of advice that you would tell people right out of the gate? Two things. One, get educated. 
you might not be putting structure in place. You know, I've got X amount of dollars. I've got something under contract. I can't put a structure in place, but get educated so that when the timing is right, you go, oh, I need to get back to that guy that, you know, Shannon introduced us to. Um, The other thing is uh, we do a roadmap. It's uh, 350 bucks. It doesn't cover the amount of time we put about $800 worth of hours into it, but we customize what your structure is now, what the structure would be perfect for if money was no object, and what are the baby steps to get there. So you're not just willy-nilly adding LLCs and, and you're throwing things away that down the road it's not as streamlined. So the roadmap is an efficient way to imagine the future that you want and and slowly build toward it. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly, you know, that's exactly why I started on this, this journey with this podcast is not because I didn't have anything to do with my afternoon. It was because the educational piece that, you know, being able to speak with guests like yourself and, and, you know, Dave Zook and some of these others that are really high power people that really know what they're doing, that really have their niche and their specialty under control to give that education. So I really love the fact that education is really what you're leading with, but I'm going to add to that guys. I'm going to tell you that lawsuits are not cheap. Okay. Mm. I've been involved in a couple, uh, not my fault. Uh, but even when it wasn't my fault, it was somebody else's fault. It still cost me a lot of money to defend myself because at there, at that particular time, I did not have what Kevin has been talking about. So you really want to take the time to invest in your education and you want to invest in asset protection before the lawsuit happens. Because if you think for one minute that asset protection structure is expensive. You clearly have not been involved in a lawsuit. Uh, Those, my friend, are expensive and nobody wants those. But Kevin, I really want to say thank you for being with us today because you brought uh, an angle. You, You brought, and obviously your life's work has been about this, but you brought something to my listeners that you don't hear all the time that is going to give everybody pause. And I really want to go back to the white paper that you offered. Guys, connect at shannonrobnet.com. We'll get you a copy of that white paper. We'll get you connected with Kevin Day. And I completely agree with what Kevin said, that you need to start now and you need to get that roadmap so that you're not adding on the wrong things or doing the wrong things. But Kevin, I can't say thank you enough for spending your afternoon talking with us. I really appreciate the knowledge you've given us. I always have so much fun with you and uh, thank you very much. And I know it's it's not the most uh, heartening subject. Uh, it's m- so much more fun to learn the things to make more money, but uh, spending a little bit of time on how to keep it is important. Thank well, and that's that's always, you know, again, that's that preventative maintenance, right? You you don't know that you're, you're really making money when you're working with with. Your, your asset protection attorney, because you're protecting yourself from that. And when your mind is occupied with a lawsuit, you're not in your regular space and you're not doing what you could, right? Yeah. So guys, thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. I'd love to hear your feedback. And if you want that information, that white paper, don't forget, connect at shannonrobnet.com. Other than that, you guys have an amazing day. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. 
Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.